Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Will you turn with me to Psalm 100? I uh, <laughs> was coming back from the doctor today, had an appointment, follow-up appointment at my doctor up in Sanford, and Krista told me we needed some things, and when you live out Bandy said I live out there in Wide Oak. When you live out there, you got to stop and get supplies, and we needed press and seal wrap and parchment paper. So I stopped at a Walmart in Cameron, Spout Springs area. And uh spent about 20 minutes after I checked out trying to find my car. It's kind of rough getting old, isn't it? Got a lot of strange looks from people as I wandered around that parking lot going like this. And her car just flashes. It don't beep too loud. And uh, that was interesting. Well, Psalm 100, it's a a short little song that we're going to study here this evening, but it's full of joy and it's full of praise to God. It's likely that Psalm 100 was one of them that was sung in public worship in the temple. There was different kinds of sacrifices. There was sin offering sacrifices and sacrifices of praise. This was probably one that was offered when sacrifices of praise were offered by God's people. And as God's people now, you and I, we no longer have to make uh, literal animal sacrifices as a form of worship because Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, he was our full and final perfect sacrifice. Amen? Amen. And um, so we can still sing this, though, because each time we gather together for worship as his people, we ought to sing joyful songs, just like Psalm 100 is, and we ought to sing them from hearts that are much like David's is here. It's, his heart is just full of joyful praise and service and thanksgiving to God for all he is for us in Jesus Christ. If you look at the short little superscript for the short psalm, it might vary depending on your Bible translation. King James says that it's a psalm of praise. I think New King James says a psalm of thanksgiving, NIV, forgiving, grateful praise. Um, And that's definitely Psalm 100. I think we could even maybe call it the Philippians. Book of Philippians is a book of joy. Uh, Psalm 100 has that same theme. Let's read it, and then we'll pray before we study it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. (coughs) Excuse me. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We'll enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this short little song you've given to us, I pray that you reveal its truth to us. I pray your Holy Spirit would um, take these words and drive them deep into our heart, um, that we might do what you've commanded us to do here, that we would make a joyful noise unto you, that we would serve you with gladness, that we 
would consistently come before your presence with singing because we know who you are, that we would enter into your gates with thanksgiving and be thankful to you because we know you're good and your mercy is everlasting and your faithfulness endures to all generations. Those are good reasons for us to be joyful in our praise and in our service to you and in our thanksgiving. And help us to do that, not just tonight, but as we live life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so in verses 1 and 2, we're given a call to praise. A command to praise might be a better description because that's what we're asked to do in verses 1 and 2. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And the idea here is to loudly and joyfully celebrate the triumph that we have because of who our God is. And who is to do this? What does it say there? All ye lands. Everyone. Everywhere. And so the call to worship here is international. It is universal in its scope. And here at Dublin First Baptist, we endeavor to be passionate about missions. I believe we are for the most part. Um, do you realize that this is what is to propel uh, our missionary endeavors, what is to motivate us on mission? And I go over this frequently with you all here, and it's important that I do. Uh, our purpose, uh, you and I as individual Christians, and our purpose as a church joined together, our purpose in life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's what's stated on our church documents, on our church's website, uh, as our purpose, because it's derived from God's word. It's not something we just made up because it sounds good. Um, from passages like this, we're told throughout Scripture, and even here in Psalm 100, uh, that our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, I've got a question for you. Is that everyone's purpose? Well, it is. But uh, is everyone doing that? No, of course not. Uh, does everybody live their life to glorify God? Is that their motivation for getting up every morning and going about their day? Obviously, the answer is no. The vast majority of this world, um, they have a different purpose for their lives. It can vary. Uh, it might be to be happy. Uh, and later on in their life, it might be healthy or wealthy. Uh, it might be to make a name for themselves and, and be somebody in this world. And so because we know that this is our purpose, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, and God desires that to be everyone's purpose, because of that we go on mission. And our mission as individuals, as those who gather together as Dublin First Baptist Church, is to make the name of Jesus Christ treasured here, there, and everywhere. Because the majority of this world doesn't live life to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Because the majority of this world doesn't treasure Jesus Christ, our mission is to see that change as we share the gospel, as we live out our purpose in our interactions every day with others in this world. Uh, you and I glorifying God, and you and I enjoying God, you and I treasuring Jesus in our own lives. We are on mission because we long to see the day that verse 1 is referencing here when all ye lands do make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's going to happen when Christ returns. And until he returns, we need to be busy um, sharing the gospel. That, that's our vision, being a part of a community of devoted followers of Jesus Christ who glorify God by denying themselves, just like Jesus asked us to, taking up our cross joyfully, and following him. That's what we're working towards. And this call or command to praise, it continues in verse 2. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. 
and come before his presence with singing. And so we are taught here that our worship of God, uh, including you and I living out our purpose and being on mission, sharing the gospel, uh, these are all ways that we joyfully worship and serve the Lord. And we're told how to serve the Lord. Uh, what does it say? With gladness. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. I believe it's pretty repulsive to the Lord when we serve him any other way. We might show up to some service opportunity from time to time for the Lord, um, and we might have an attitude other than gladness. When we begin to see serving the Lord simply as a duty, or when our perspective of serving the Lord is that it's drudgery, I'm reminded of God's conversation with his people in Malachi chapter 1. They were worshiping him consistently, um, but not with their whole heart. It, it was more of a just going through the motions type of thing. They were bringing him offerings that were less than their best. And in Malachi 1.13, God says to them, you say, what a weariness this is. What a burden serving the Lord is. Does that sound like living out your purpose, glorifying God and enjoying him forever? Does that sound like a good way to be on mission? I mean, does that make the name of Jesus treasure? When you have that kind of attitude toward praise or service or giving thanks toward God, does that make the name of Jesus treasured in your own life or in your testimony to others? When we serve the Lord, but it's without gladness, and so it's no wonder then that God's response to this unglad service as found in Malachi 1.10. And you're probably familiar with it. God says, oh, that one of you would just shut the temple doors so that you would no longer light useless fires on my altar. Uh, meaning that God would just as soon uh, such a form of worship or service would completely cease rather than be given to him without gladness. He desires no worship or service from us that is offered out of duty. It should flow from the delight that we have in him. Amen? That's what it should flow from. And, and <clears throat> that passage and even this one is convicting and really frightening to me, really, because it's something that constantly encourages a personal self-evaluation on my part. Why am I praising God? And, and why am I serving the Lord? And why am I coming to church? And why am I doing this for God or doing that for God? Because we can look around us and see things like this happening. I, I wonder how many temple doors God has closed. How many churches are, are no longer open? Or maybe they are on their very last gasping, dying breath because serving the Lord, it lost its connection to gladness. And they allowed it to become a weariness in their life. And my prayer is, God, help that to never happen here. It won't ever happen here if it never happens in our own individual lives. We're the ones who compose this church. And instead, if we come before his presence, like it says in verse 2, with singing. And I truly believe that one of the greatest Things that will ever prevent us from getting to that place where we say to God, what a weariness this is, what a burden it is to serve you. One of the greatest things that will prevent that from ever taking place 
is described in verse 3. We see there the catalyst for praise. Verse 3 begins with another call, another command. It's for you and I to know, to know the Lord. Meaning to be reminded and meditate on, on these facts here in verse 3. He is God. And he has made us, and not we ourselves. And that we are the sheep of his pasture. There, there's quite a bit to unpack there in verse 3. You could probably do a whole sermon on there. We got three points. But, but this should be the catalyst for you and I always serving the Lord with gladness. Verse 3 describes what compels you and I to have joy in serving Jesus. And the first motivator we're given is this. We praise him and serve him because we know he is God. I want you to think about that for a moment. I mean, what a privilege it is to serve the almighty sovereign of the universe. We ought to be reminded of that when we are worshiping him or serving him. And that we're not really serving him. In fact, it is we who are being blessed in doing so. We must never forget the truth of Acts 17, 25, that God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives life and breath and everything else to everyone else. And I think you would agree that when you worship the Lord or when you're in service to the Lord, isn't it you who gets the blessing? It is. Even when we meet together for worship, what do we call these meetings usually? We call them services, right? <laughs> services. And we might be serving God in some ministry, a Sunday school teacher, usher, nursery, or anything else. But it, but it is always you and I who are blessed when we come to worship together and when we come to serve the Lord at these services. It's you and I who are being served with God's sustaining grace as we worship him and serve him. And then the second catalyst or, or motivation for making sure that whenever we come to worship God or come to serve God, it is always with gladness. It's in the next phrase of verse 3. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. He is our creator. Are you glad you were created? I am. I am. Uh, I'm glad God gave me life and he gave me life today. You woke me up this morning. Are you glad you've been recreated? You've been born again? I am. And that phrase, and not we ourselves, it can also be translated as we are his. And that's important to know that the Lord, our God, he is not just the creator. He's also the relator. I mean, we're his. Literally, there's a relationship there. Yes, he's our creator. Yes, he's our sustainer. But he's our relator. He's our relative. This almighty sovereign creator is our father if we're in Christ. We are his We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. That should prevent you from ever serving the Lord or praising the Lord or giving thanks to God in any other way but with a heart that's full of joy. It's good motivation for always coming to worship or to some ministry service with gladness. There ought to be joy in serving Jesus because you are in Jesus. There's a relationship between you and God. And there's the third motivator or catalyst for us to always have gladness in our worship or service to the Lord. It says, we are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. And so inferring once again the, the ownership of us, that God owns us, we are his people. But it's a kind and it's a tender relationship. He's our shepherd. And we're the sheep that he lovingly cares for. In verse 4, we find the call to thanksgiving or the command to thanksgiving. 
Not a call to come to the Thanksgiving table. We all answer that one, right? Um, no problem obeying that command. The, the command is for you and I to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. For, for you and I to be thankful to him and to bless his holy name. You know, praise and thanksgiving, they're similar in many ways, but they're, they're also different. I suppose the former has to do with us exalting God for who he is and the latter more about what he has done for us and what he's doing for us and what he's always promised to do for us. Um, but much like our Thanksgiving meal celebrations, this is to be done corporately according to verse 4. It's to be done publicly. It's to be done with others who are expressing their thanks to God. That's the concept behind entering his gates with thanksgiving or his courts with praise. It's about doing this publicly and in his presence. And yes, someone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and who's now and forever indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are always in the presence of God, no matter if you're together or you're alone, no matter where you are. But God has designed his presence to be experienced in a very special and powerful way when his people come together to praise him and serve him and give thanks to him. Can I share with you a quote I came across, uh, I think it was last week, about the importance of this and its benefit to our faith. It's from Pastor Paul David Tripp. And he said, Corporate worship is designed to present the gospel so that hearts that are gripped by complaint become hearts that are now ignited with gratitude. Let me say that once more. Corporate worship, what we're doing here, why we come here together, it is designed by God to present the gospel so that hearts that are gripped by complaint become hearts now ignited with gratitude. Or with thanksgiving. With giving thanks to God. <clears throat> Do you ever find yourself from time to time with a heart that's gripped by complaint? I do. I was complaining a little bit this morning, afternoon when I couldn't find my car in the parking lot. The circumstances around us, at times, they can lead us to that. And our hearts can become gripped by complaint. And that's why it's so important for you and I to obey what God says in verse 4. And to join with other believers and praise and serve and give thanks to God. Because when we will, we will be reminded and everything that goes on here about what's described in verse 5. We'll be given catalysts for thanksgiving. And that heart that is gripped by complaint, it will transform into a heart that's ignited with gratitude to God. Let's look at those catalysts in the last verse. Verse 5. Catalysts for thanksgiving. Things that will motivate us to give thanks to God with joy. And I'll, I'll say this. Your pastoral staff, uh, and, and I believe your fellow believers here, we will do all we can to be an example of verse 2, of serving the Lord with gladness. I hope and pray that you see or hear no other testimony in my life. I don't know if there is anything that's more destructive to the gospel than a whiny, complaining pastor. Is there? Because there's joy in serving Jesus Christ. There is. And we will do all we can here. Uh, Pastor Daniel, Pastor Tommy, and myself to consistently design and deliver a worship service to you where you will be reminded of what verse 5 talks about. That the Lord is good. Is he good? Yeah. yeah. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Where you'll be reminded <clears throat> that the Lord's mercy toward you is everlasting. Is it? Have you heard that here? 
when we worship? Is that true in your own life? Has God given you what you deserve or has he been gracious, giving you what you don't deserve? You know, each time we gather together, each time we meet together to praise and to serve God and to give God thanks, um, we will endeavor to remind you that his truth, or literally his faithfulness to you, it's something you can depend on. Because it's greater than any circumstances you might be currently facing. His truth, his faithfulness, you can depend on it despite your current circumstances and despite your restricted human view of what's going on in your life right now and why God's allowing it because his faithfulness endures to all generations. Christian, his faithfulness is for you and it's for you forever because he is for you and he is forever. And what a catalyst, what a motivation, what a reason to give God thanks for whatever we're going through. This is a joyful song, these five verses. Uh, and Psalm 100 is just reminding us that, that there is joy in serving Jesus and praising Jesus and giving thanks to Jesus Christ. You know, there's churches who don't have a midweek service. I can't imagine. I really can't because I need a recharge. Now, I need to hear what Nehemiah said echoed every time we meet together. The joy of the Lord is your what? It's your strength. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength, and it's your strength. And I need you. I need to see all of you testifying that your joy is in Jesus Christ. And you need each other. You need to remind each other of that same thing. Our Lord, he deserves joyful praise. And he deserves service with gladness and thanksgiving. He doesn't need it. We do. We need to come together and praise so that our joy can be fulfilled, so it can be expressed. That, that is the, the apex or, or the pinnacle where our joy in Jesus is most fully experienced. And we do what God says here. So have you been praising? Have you been serving? Have you been giving thanks and gladness? Or has any of that ever been out of duty rather than delight? You know, uh, you know what yesterday was. And if I, uh, if I gave that gift to Krista on Valentine's Day, do you think she would have been most pleased or, or my love for her would have been most magnified if I said, uh, here you go. It's Valentine's Day, and I, from what I hear, this is what husbands are supposed to do. How would have that gone over? But, but what if I gave it to her, and what if how I gave it to her communicated that I did it out of the sheer joy, the sheer delight that I have in our relationship? The, the joy that she brings me every single day, the thankfulness I have because she's a part of my life. You see the difference there? That's what God's trying to bring our attention to here. You know, I, I said it about pastors, but it's true about Christians. There's nothing that's more counterproductive to the gospel than, than Christian versions of Eeyore. You know what I'm talking about? Or Christian versions of, you remember a downer Debbie from Saturday Night Live? Everybody be having a party or they'd be out bowling and having a good time and all of a sudden Debbie would say something like, did you know that 
every day 40,000 cats and dogs are put to sleep in shelters across this country. Oh, we don't need that. And that's what God's asking of us here in the short little joyful song. And will you ask God tonight to show you who he is? He's told us in verse 3. And he tells us in verse 5. Say, God, help me to truly know that, that you are God, that you have made me, that, that you're my shepherd, that I'm the sheep of your pasture, that you're good, like verse 5 says, that your mercy is everlasting, and that your faithfulness to me, it endures to all generations. We ask God to help you to truly know that so that you can do what the rest of these verses say, so that you can praise God joyfully and serve God joyfully and give thanks to him in a way he deserves, in a way that he desires. I have Tommy and the praise team come up, and I hope we can do that as we sing.